Welcome to the Meek Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are not Meek, I swear. I was just going to say the Meekly Dish the is meekly funny. The Meekly Dish, that is. You know what else is funny? <laughs> I just realized that Maida Mains, who did our uh, intro song, yeah. who's done two for us, who's just so lovely, um, she managed to uh, find a word that rhymed with Bria. What is It's she? a good idea. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what's the Bria, though? Berea tacos. Is that what she says in there? Yeah, she goes, rabbit something and Berea. Oh, I don't even I don't know if idea. I realize don't that. yuck. My yum. Don't yuck. Yep. Yuck. My She's yum. magical. That is for she sure. Is. Sure. For sure. Well, uh, welcome to the last Saturday of February. <laughs> I Yeah. Can you I handle that? I don't even know. So February is such a weird month. We were talking about that because it's short. Yes, it is a so short month. Great. Usually pretty intensely weird. And dark. It's just weird. There's <laughs> Valentine's Day. I've got like a hundred birthdays in there and it's yeah. just always like a little but there's hope. You know, the sun is a little bit warmer. Hope. And so it's always a little bit like that. You know? And it used to be where pe- pitchers and catchers would report, you know, around Valentine's Day and you start thinking about baseball if you're a baseball person and that gave you like a moment of like spring training yep. on the way. But, I'm not a sports person, so right. that doesn't resonate with me, but I know it does for yeah, lots of people. For lots of people, and so that was kind of the thing. I know, thinking about spring. Well, and a lot of people, including myself, yes, take are, off. have getaways, <laughs> you know. If you want somewhere eternally sunny, cool architecture, yeah, a great town just to get around in, Palm Springs is it. That's it, huh? Tell us a little bit, because I have not, I don't think I've been to Palm Springs. I will say, for as great of a town as it is, the food scene is surprisingly lacking yeah like it's a lot of restaurants that feel very past their prime really um well because it's kind of an older yeah like i'll give you an example we went to a place called john henry's which is an older restaurant that's classic that really gets a lot of accolades i ordered a shrimp and scallop dish it came on um, rice that had obviously been sitting around in a chafing dish for a while. Oh, yeah. Because it had the crispy bits. And then a pile of sauteed sliced carrots and green beans was the vegetable. Um, like, it just felt like a 75-year-old person's plate. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying, it uh-huh. was very white. And yeah. Um, we went to Sherman's Deli, which is amazing. Yes. That's like the old Lincoln Dell, like a sure. great East Coast deli. Yes. Super great meats. Um. But and, and you can get good Mexican food, but there's also just a ton of trash food that's not good. Really? Yeah. And um, it's just sort of like, I don't know. Everybody feels like they're on overdrive, but kind of don't care. Yeah. And it feels like a tourist town where it's like, meh, okay. okay. You didn't like our restaurant, just don't come back. That's fine. Oh, right. Yeah. Just kind of weird. Yeah. But 
it, other than that, like, did you art- do any like food research before you went? Like, did you like figure yeah. out like, like where should I go? I have no idea. I have yeah, no idea where did. to eat in there. We did. And I was with my friend Miles who kind of prides himself he does on that, that. Right. And he did lots of the reservations and we've been there before. So I knew Sherman's. We went to a, a place called Tropical, which generally had been really good. And the first person um, that came to the table said something like, well, we have 700 covers tonight, so you better get your order in. Something like that, where we were just like, oh, wow, well, okay. Then another place we went to that had $31 fish and chips, and three of us ordered fish and chips. A couple people ordered uh, fish tacos. No tartar sauce. They're out. Oh. And they didn't offer any other, like, they didn't come to the table and say, hey, we're out of tartar sauce, but we've got these other things. I mean, not having tartar sauce for fish and chips feels like a problem. Yeah. And then we ordered Bloody Marys. Oh, we had a lot of Bloody Mary orders this morning. Sorry, we're out. Oh. Like, it was just one thing after another with no helpful alternative. And you feel bad for the waiter because you can tell he's mortified. Yeah, okay. Because this is a this is a fancy, fancy place. Okay, we have valeted. We are spending thirty dollars for crappy food, a, yeah. a table or a plate, and he's just like, "Yeah, sorry, I don't got that." Well, yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So that lunch, I mean, literally, we ended up. Oh, my fish and chips were fried uh, either the day before or that morning, and oh, then refried. Probably- Because they had, you could totally, I I don't know how to describe when you look at a piece of fish and it's absorbed all the oil because it's been fried once and then they refried it. It was like fried within an inch of its life and all the oil from the first frying was in the fish. That just may be, yeah, that just may be, yeah. It was weird. Okay. All right. Well, so what, what was your best meal? The ones we cooked in the condo. The ones condo. you cooked in the condo. We stayed in Burt Lancaster's house. Yeah, how was that? Well, how did you Amazing. find that? That was crazy looking. Yeah, we found it online. It was a VRBO. It had like six bedrooms, which we didn't need, but it looked like it had enough space for adult couples to have like a bathroom, your space. It ended up to be great. You know, everywhere in the weather in Palm Springs is great. There's tons of great hiking. It's a it's a great town. We were there for Modernism Week. So that was really cool. Oh, very cool. It looked like there was a lot of interesting art in the house that you stayed in. That was kind of interesting. Did you have like, and this is what I would want to know. Like, I don't want to just look at it, but like, did you have information on the artist in the house? Yeah. And and a lot of, there's a couple of Palm Spring artists that have sort of that style, Shag being one of them. And each of the houses that I've stayed in when I've gone to Palm Springs has like a book about Palm Springs in it. Oh, okay. They're very proud of the architecture. They're proud of the culture. I like to stay in a place called the movie district, which is where there's literally the old modern homes. Um, there's other places to stay. Like I don't golf. So there's a lot of golf course action. Uh, let's just say it. If Kurt and I had $3 million, Stephanie, <laughs> we would be in a different conversation today. And it would be, I'm sorry, I'm leaving the weekly. Day. Would you really go retire out there? Oh, no. But I mean, there's something so beautiful about it. It's hard not to dream. Yeah. Some of the houses are, and they're not, they're not mansions necessarily. They're three bedroom, two bath homes that are in this mid-century modern style that are just in this beautiful Tell place. me, tell me about the kitchen. Was the kitchen fully equipped? I mean, like, yes. so you could do all of the cooking oh, yeah. that you we needed to do. You needed balls one night. Um, we had tacos one night. I'm trying to think. We cooked lunch one day. Everybody made avocado toast and breakfast every day. I'm not a big breakfast eater, so right. 
that was that. One of the things that was weird was we took this tram two and a half miles up into the San Jacinto Mountains. Uh-huh. And when we got to the top, it it was a full on blizzard. <laughs> and that was weird because all these kids were like with their sleds. And oh, really? People were like, a like blizzard. They got sleds. And we were like, oh, a blizzard. Oh, great. Great. It's happening at home. Yeah. Too. And there were a couple days where the high was 60. We had a couple days where it wasn't. Yeah, warm. I saw that you were trying to complain about that. But, you know, uh, I did well, try we were and complain, in and the five. Minnesota people were like, um, yeah. thanks, no Why thanks. don't you sit down? We're still in shorts weather at yep. 50. Hello. But that's good. So that's good. So you, and so like you feel like that's a place you would return to over Very and over again? So. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I've just never been. Yeah. And, and I also, never, <laughs> ever wanted to. The but airport I don't... is so small. Is it really? Yeah. It's 20 gates. And it's all outside. Yeah. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. You get off the plane. That is one of the best things. You get off you the plane outside. and you're like, oh, I'm here. Yep. And you feel that warmth, and, and then that when dry you're air. leaving, you sit outside until you literally have to get on your plane. I mean, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, so okay. I soaked up the warm. It was good. All right, I a like of, it. A lot of things happening in the world, in my personal life. We're burying my dad this Thursday, so trying to get all those arrangements finalized. Yeah. So I just really tried to relax, take it in, enjoy the moments, and just know. I have a week ahead of me that's yeah. going to be a toughie. So it's always good to have, and it's always in my mind, kind of, you know, nice to be outside of your normal space for a little bit. Yeah, you know, taking yourself out of the place where all of your needs and wants and worries and stuff swirl around you, and removing yourself where you can sort of just have a blank slate. There's a gift in that. My sister is um, was on vacation too, and she texted me back this, and she said, "Oh." Vacation's over, our dad's dead, and now we have to deal with that. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of things people are dealing with. Lots it's, of stuff. In fact, we're going to talk a lot about things today. So <laughs> I do have, I'm going to put a link up. I did a thing of comfort foods, oh. like all a so, bunch of comfort food recipes because I'm craving comfort foods. Yeah. Of so. course. Wonderful. Okay, good. We'll, well, and we can talk about that later, too. We are going to have a great show. You guys are going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Ukraine. We're going to talk about James Beards today. We've got a Women's Day event that we want to talk about and some Mardi Gras slash Shrove Tuesday information we're going to go over. So we'll, I love the Shrove. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071, brought to you by Knob Creek. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thank you for joining us. Today. I'm Steph March. I'm here with Steph Hansen. Yes. And thank gosh that you're here. I'm Missed you the last couple times. I actually overscheduled people You over you. <laughs> I know. We didn't talk about that last our week. Our friend Molly, <laughs> she keeps trying to fill in for me, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm here. That's I'm what, here, I, but next week I'm really not here. Yeah, but then she was like, she actually was texting me. She's like, All right, this week are we in? I'm like, yes, you're on. And then I had to send her back and be like, no, 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 no. She texted me directly, too. Yeah. She probably didn't tell you that. No. We did, though. The good news is we do have an October date for our um, cookbook I haven't swap. confirmed the date. Uh, I did. <laughs> well, good. Are you doing it by yourself? I had Molly on the phone. I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. No, so, I, I just I, have to check it. But because I have two things floating, two events floating in October already. Oh, darn it. Okay. Yeah, there's a wedding. There's... Who's getting married? Steph Meyer's son, Nathan. Oh, Nathan. Nate's getting, getting married. married. Right. So we're going to Colorado. Okay. Um, okay. But we can talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. We um, sure can. I did want to talk about Ukraine for a little bit because... Oh. I know that a lot of people are thinking about it. You and I both walked into the uh, space today here. And like, I know that you're sitting on the Twitter watching all the things that I'm watching, you know, and looking at watching the news. And I know it's daunting and I know it's it's hard. And I think, you know, it's very strange. I was telling you that this is, you know, for me, it's very it's it's very compelling that this is, I think, the first real world conflict that is being recorded on social media. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, like the last I mean, when we look at the Scud missiles and Wolf Blitzer, that was really all a a TV war. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is different in that you're seeing firsthand accounts of from people in their homes. That's, I think, the part that's gotten to me really the most is outside of the fact that we have a war going on in Europe for the first time since World War Two, but also the um, the nature of these there's 40 million people in Ukraine. Yes. It is not a small country. No. It is the seventh Kiev, which is the city that is most under attack, though not the only city. It is the seventh largest populated city in Europe. Yeah. So these are people no different than you and me who no. are going about their daily lives and all of a sudden they're taking up arms. Yeah. And it feels like Red Dawn, but yeah. it, it's real. But it's well, it's not in our area. You know what I mean? And right. that's the weirder part. But I do think there's something to say about the fact that the social media connection that we have and we see people, it does bring it closer. And we think about, I think what's been so interesting to me talking with my kids about it is literally I had Matt sitting there going like, is this what you felt like in the 80s? I was like, yes, it was yeah. like it was. And I forgot that like that dread and that weird feeling about Russia and the superpower and the armed potential, these veiled threats. Serbian war. And I just sort of sat there thinking, wow. Which that was real different, though, you guys. Yeah. I mean, that was super different, too, because just the might of Russia is so strong and the amount of um, dedication to their president, their leader. Mm -hmm. He's been a president for a very long time. There's 17,000 Ukrainians in the Twin Cities. Yeah. I think that is also something like, wow, you know, your country, your home, your family, your friends, just the destruction. If you just look at, you know, okay, so this apartment was bombed. Well, that's a bummer and a waste of energy, time and money. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. And I just feel for um, the people, but also the what you're going to say, I think, is about Chef Jose Anders. Well, I'm getting there, but I'm okay. not there yet. <laughs> so the point is, I was trying to say was that like helping our kids understand this was something that was important to me. And kids, when I say kids, I'm even talking my 27 year old. You know what I mean? This yeah, generation that have didn't a context have for it. this. And so also part of that for me was the idea of like looking at, you know, understanding it through food. And understanding it through the fact that Kromarcheks, you know, are beautiful, yeah. amazing, you know, there's a, that's a Ukrainian family and that they have, that they're tied to that area perfectly and, and truly. And they have, um, you know, they were packed, they were packed last night and they were packed the night before and people are trying to show support and they want to find connection. And that's where I was thinking like, you know, I'm totally going to make dumplings tonight varenchki you know because i think that i was thinking about the foods that of that area that are you know the polish ukrainian you know czech Kopekia. yeah the pachki you know and yeah your your what is it Kopekia? yeah yeah dumplings but i mean all of those are you know even borscht that is by the way borscht at kromarczyk's is outstanding this is a beautiful thing but um, I was thinking about these little dumplings. These they're basically the pierogies that we get at the at the Polish fest, but they call them um, they call them uh, varenchki, and they're just these sort of like doughy mashed potatoy stuffed little things. Talk about your comfort food, right? I mean, talk about like getting a hug in your gut, yeah. <laughs> for that. And I just think there's something to say about all of this. You know, uh, they've got these Daruni, these potato pancakes. I was thinking about those, too. And it's like very simple food. But in this time, you know, it's very needed, I think. I read this beautiful story about a reporter um, that 
couldn't get out. Yeah. And so went into her apartment building and rounded up some neighbors and someone had a cake for some celebration that was coming. And they sat and had cake and tea and just kind of waited for their world to disintegrate and everything that they knew. But before they did all that, they took this moment. Yeah. And they took a picture and it was like these half eaten plates of cake. Yeah. It was really kind of poignant to me. Just like, wow, how do you prepare for a war? Okay, I guess you eat the cake first. Yes, you eat the cake first. And did you see the kitchen staff at the hotel? Like they had the, a bunch of people from this small hotel, I think, you know, got into the basement, you know, bunker and all and the the kitchen staff had had their family come to the hotel because they felt it was stronger there. And so they were there was all this family of all these people. And they just they just started feeding each other, you it know, was, and they, I think there's something about that. There's also, and this just, I mean, even saying it out loud is so sad. All of the babies that from the NICU yeah. that were lined up in the subway tunnel. Yep. Yep. And those nurses. Survive as you can. Just young women, you know, helping those babies survive during a really critical time. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, I mean, so one of the things that people have said is like, do you, you know, have you ever made chicken Kiev, which we all now know is not even spelled the way that we thought we, <laughs> we was it, it you Kiev. 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 And um, and I said, I don't think I've ever made it, but of course I've eaten it, which of course is this sort of rolled chicken breast with a, you know, a spinach filling and a, and a little light breading on the top. And it's a delicious thing that we all sort of love. We don't even think about that. That's a specialty that, you know, is extremely popular in restaurants and schools and like the government eats it. And, you know, it's like it's a they call it uh, considered the culinary business card of the Ukrainian capital. That's what they think about that. And I thought. I would love that. I think I would make galumpkis, which my mom, who's had a Polish Nana, would make. Yeah. And Poland has their borders basically open. Oh, and yeah. people are streaming through them at the rate of 400,000 people so far have walked miles, sometimes miles. up to 28 miles from Ukraine into Poland to try to preserve their families yep. and to stay together and what that looks like in war and a country taking in. And I mean, all of Europe, you have Hungary, you have Poland, like all those borders have been open. Yeah, they're it's just a very strange time. It is strange. And that is what we wanted to say. I wanted to put a link up because I know we can feel powerless and I know making a dish is and helping definitely give to UNICEF. Definitely support whatever you can. If you want to support Jose Andres, you know, and what he's doing, his World Central Kitchen, he is on the ground. They he's already fed se- yesterday, they fed 1,700 people. As you walked across the border into Poland, they handed you a bowl of chicken soup and rice. Yeah. So we, I'm going to put a link on the show page, you guys, if you want to donate and help feed people who are in, you know, a traumatic time in their lives and, and give them something like a warm bowl, this is exactly what we should be doing. This is part of helping. So... We will do that. I'll put the link up and we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Yes, you are. And while I was away uh, in this last week, the James Beard Awards happened. And I we always describe them as the Academy Awards of Food. No, which, but we don't want to. I know, but it is a good... <laughs> I just don't like it's that. It's like, okay, everybody then understands like the equivalent of yeah, what this means. But I think, yeah, I uh, have a problem with that assignation anyway. But, I get it. You know? It Basically, the way that it works is they have their short list for uh, nominations, and then they go into um, semifinalists. And so we're at the semifinalist part of this journey. And four Minnesota chefs and two restaurants were named. Um, I'll just kind of give you the list here. So, Owamni head chef Sean Sherman, 
was named in the Best Chef Midwest category, along with uh, Union Among Kitchens, Yia Vang, Jorge Guzman from Petit Leon, and Eric Scar of Van in Spring Park. This Van. Is it? Okay. This Van, yeah. It was interesting to me that uh, John Chen had just reviewed Van in the Star Tribune last week also as these nominations come out. Did you see that? No, did he really? He did. Oh, fun. I yeah, would we, say it was a... Um, it seemed like a fair review, but it wasn't a it wasn't a glowing review. There was some good, some bad. Yeah, I I don't I don't I haven't read him very much, but um, there is something about uh, we did put Van in the top in the MSP fifty this year too. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that for as a small space, you know that I think for me it's like yes, it's true. It's weird that it's way out in Spring Park, you know, which is like not a lot of people are getting out there, but. The, the Lake Minnetonka set knows it's there. Yeah, and, and really, they seems are to enjoy it. patrons. They are very good patrons of the, of that place, and it's it's lovely. And those I have had great meals there. And it's he's got a beautiful eye for presentation, and he loves fish. And that's something that we don't have very often in Minnesota. We don't. We just don't. Yeah. And so he and has a feels real, hard to cook for whatever reason. Yeah, he has a beautiful hand with it, and he respects all kinds of fish. So you're not just getting salmon, right? <laughs> You might get an Arctic char. I'm so I know I love. Are salmon you over salmon? No, but I just feel like I, if I'm going to go out, I want something more than that. I kind of feel like salmon's ordering like ordering chicken. Maybe a little bit. Like you're just like, oh well, I'm sure the chicken's. I good, mean, I love it, and yeah. I made I made a great hunk of salmon this week. You know that I just sort of inhaled, I think, and then then Matt was sitting next to me, and I undercooked it a little bit because I like it a little undercooked, and he was like, "You can finish this." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to finish. Not going to finish that. How did you feel about the four chefs for the Midwest that were nominated? Did you feel like there was any obvious? Well, yeah. I mean, like, well, here's here's the hard part about Best Chef Midwest, right? I mean, we're competing against Milwaukee and St. You know, St. Louis and Kansas City and Chicago. No, Chicago's in the Great Lakes. So we're kind of in this different area and Madison and, you know, there's a lot of great, there's one up in Fargo, uh, North Dakota, uh, a guy who was a Minnesota, you know, kid who's gone up there to do his thing. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent that's growing in our area. We used to, when we went into this category, cause we used to be lumped in with Chicago and we never right. won. So then when we became our own Midwest chunk, um, we sort of dominated for the long time. You know, we have a lot, we have like five or six winners at this point, you mm-hmm. know? And I think what happened is, is that now that the other areas are really starting to bubble up and get really great chefs. I read a couple of omissions in the Baker category. People thought that Diane Mua and uh, Sarah Botcher sure. from Walnut Bakery maybe should have well, been recognized. Even in Best Chef Midwest, I could say, why isn't Jamie Malone on there? Now, granted, she didn't have no. And the caveat for all of this is, of course, that there hasn't been a Beards since 2019. And so a lot of that has to do with now we're looking at this body of two years of work. And, you know, the Beards, the bigger story is the fact that Beards is supposed to be like re, you know, sort of orienting themselves. And they're supposed to be doing a deeper look and a different view and all that kind of stuff. And that really stemmed out of that there was accusations that the awards were pretty white yeah that there wasn't a lot of diversity that a lot of different cultures were being represented so to the credit of james beard at the time they went through and reevaluated their nominating policies they looked at their ethics committee they created uh what was supposed to be and maybe is 
a much more um, diverse and comprehensive look at the restaurant industry as a whole. Well, I'm going to tell you that what happens with these two things, the semifinalists and the finalists are two specific. Actually, it's a three stage process. And what happens is the semifinalists have always been a more diverse. The long list obviously can be more diverse sure, and because it has more people on it. And so the semifinalist list has 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 for a long time just been the place where you kind of give the nod and it's sort of a recognition piece. And it may be like, hey, this is, you know, we know that you're, you know, we're, we see you out there. And there's been a lot of people on that list who never make it to the finalist list. And so then the finalist nominations are going to be much more pared down. You're only going to see, I think, what, like four or five, unless they're changing that, too. I'm not 100 percent sure. But. You know, you're only going to see uh, a lot. You're going to see a lot less names on the finalist list, and then they'll pick from that group. And what's happened is the finalist list tends to get a little bit more uh, homogenous, if you will. And mm-hmm. then from the finalist list, a lot of times people have been saying, you know, in the past, when we get to those winners, it seems to be mostly in the national categories. It goes to New York, you know, or it goes to L.A. And then um, and in the but mostly New York. And then in the other categories, it sort of feels like it gets down to a lot of white people. Right. And a lot of it has to do with the way that they had voting, which they're never overly transparent about the weighting and the percentages and who votes and how they vote. But past winners obviously get to vote every time. So, but if you have a whole history of normally getting a lot of white people in that area, then of course that's going to skew your view. I think So Um, we're hoping that they've, Switch that, but we just really won't know until we see the winners. Right. <clears throat> and and there was more controversy that erupted because one of the people that was nominated in the category for Outstanding Restaurant Tour was Kim Bartman. Yep. She was named as, uh, uh, she's got six restaurants across the Twin Cities and her company previous was the subject of an investigation uh, over wage wages and what was uh, accused of, she was accused of wage theft by her employees. Mm-hmm. It culminated with a $230,000 settlement with the Minnesota Attorney General's office. And that was settled in 2021 with neither side admitting or it's a sticky situation doing right. Yeah. It's a sticky. It's like the, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of legal stuff to do with this. And if they did, you know, have a, I mean, we, we, we assume that if they had an ethics committee re- reviewing things, they didn't find anything of legal consequence to not put her into the categories, the, the James Beard. She's in the national category category for outstanding restaurant tour. So again, this is, you know, a this is, a, this isn't just one restaurant or one person. This is a, an award that kind of goes to, you know, a group. Usually it's a group, I guess. Um, uh, of people or it's usually like a, a like a like an organization i think what's so confusing for people is that this award it's two things one is you know it's evaluating this body of work yeah and kim's body of work expands 25 to 30 years of her being in our business as a restaurateur so if you're evaluating that entire body of work is that worthy of recognition some would say yes it is on the other hand if you look at the James Beard Ethics Committee and you look at how they've really tried to remake themselves and honor the hospitalitarians in our community and others, it feels as though 
how do you miss this? This how do you have an outstanding restaurant and yet you've been accused of wage theft? Right. And of and- not upholding the com- com- the commitment between your employee and yourself. Yes. And I don't and I and I think that it's a sticky situation and I can see where, you know, Kim was one of the first people to offer health insurance to servers back in the day, mm-hmm. like at 30 hours a week. She's something. also been known for her green uh, initiatives. So there's so I guess the thing that I that a lot of people and I have kind of come to discuss about is that you can be a couple of things at the same time. It's not black and white like she can have done great things and also made mistakes. And so. At that point, I think the beard committee, what do they do with that? Do they then, how do they go on that? Do you feel like they knew? I think they had to have known. They had to have, like, you can't Google her and not find it. You know what I mean? That's the part to me that's kind of befuddling. So it's a simple Google search. And you'd think that they would search everybody that is nominated just to see. No, they had a review of her. So that's my point is, like, if they have an ethics committee who did a review of these things, they saw this stuff and they decided that, that it was a settled case and that there was no wrongdoing admitted or pers- or, or or convicted. That's troublesome for me. So, well, I don't, I, I trust me, I like, again, I'm not defending anybody. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this in terms of this way. But sure. I also think, and this is one thing that is hard for me overall, and this speaks to this. This is an entity, the James Beard Awards, who has decided that they are going to do morality checks on people and this kind of stuff. This industry is real real tough in well, that as our most in if that, we're being perfectly that, honest well sure but this one in and of itself is a little counterculture i'm just saying that it's it's a hard thing to find i'm not saying they shouldn't be held to the standards i absolutely i'm just saying that it's really going to be a rough road and they're going to probably stumble like this and they and should they have given her the nomination i don't know what their metrics are also i don't know you know I don't know what their metrics are. And I don't, and I think that I probably, if it were me, no, I would not have done it, but I don't know what they're using as their metrics. And I don't know. And that's part of it too. So then we're all like fawning over these awards from these New York people who I think don't, do they really know what's going on in our communities? Can they across the whole country? Well, and that's sad too, because what, what really I think bothers me about this controversy most is two things. One is, the employees that were left feeling like, huh, well, this doesn't really set the standard for what we're trying to accomplish. Number two, it, I think, takes away, if all of this energy is being sucked out of the room because of this controversy, does it take away from the great work that Jorge Guzman, well, Sean Sherman, Yevang, Eric Scarlett, all those people have done? And then I also just feel... There are people that still work at these restaurants, that still are employed at these restaurants. And I don't want to create a culture of like, don't go and don't support this person. Because a lot of times you're these restaurants run with managers and servers and barbacks and bartenders. And those people are worthy of, of being course, supported. Of course. So of course. it's a sticky wicket if you... I, what I like about what you said is that it can be both things. It can. There's I people would, can be a lot of things. They can do good things and they can do things that they can make mistakes. They and can, we see this in the Academy Awards, too, if we're just going to compare that. Like, you know, Sean Penn, who is just an absolute volatile jerk most instances, has been nominated for lots of his work. We've had uh, directors, Roman Polanski, who has basically been considered a pedophile, nominated for his work. You you have to separate sometimes the art from the artist, and that gets real sticky. And some people don't think we should. And I I 
and I don't have the answer. I'm not trying to say you should or shouldn't. I'm just saying that this is a moment where we're in this time where this is we're trying to hold people accountable for things that hurt other people. And I see that and I agree with that. But I also know that there's other things. It's not just one thing. There's and a it's lot of problematic things. too because a restaurant is not one per it's not just the owner. Right. In many instances, the owner is the start. But it's a lot of people that make up a great restaurant, yeah. right? And it takes all, it takes everybody in that team. It takes a lot of dedicated people. You know, she's not at all six of these restaurants every day. It's not like people are working. But, well, but yeah, I, I mean, know it's but weird. Yet, and there you go. All right. We have to take a quick break. We do want to shout out. I mean, we do want to say congratulations to all oh, the people who, are in, who got nominated. And hopefully you guys, they make it to the next round and then hopefully they make it even further. So we're hoping for big wins for Minneapolis and St. Paul. And well-deserved accolades for the uh, best chefs that were nominated again. Yeah. Just a great class. Yeah. All right. And uh, if you guys want to give us a call, we're going to head into the Ask Stephanie portion. 651-641-1071. We'll take your calls when we get back. Well, this is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. We have uh, entered the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you feel like giving us a call and giving us your rant or your rave or, uh, or your favorite comfort food, your favorite comfort food, maybe you want to talk about uh, yeah. March, <laughs> March being just around the corner. Oh, my word. And all the snow. My gosh, you guys had a lot of snow. Yeah, we did. I have like a yeah. huge mound in my driveway. I was you did. Like, wow, you had to try to get up here when we left. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. My Twitter is down. I can't seem to get it. So if you're yelling at me, I'm sorry. I can't respond. No so. yelling. <laughs> No, but that's okay. Yeah, you can send us a note on Facebook. So we'll try to get it um, wherever you want. Um, I did want to mention that I am walking into March with uh, my own because I can because it's my month with my own madness. I'm going to do a martini madness. Oh, I like that. And this isn't anything like I'm not doing it for print. I'm not doing it for anything other than just I'm just telling yourself. you I'm going to drink a lot of martinis this month. Is what I'm trying to find the best martinis. So I am going to. I'm going to put it on the socials, on the Instagrams. I mean, can I ask us a question? Yes. A martini-specific question. Yes. So I know martini is either gin or vodka, vermouth, dirty, but like... So many things. Yeah, because there's like martinis that have like St. Germain and there's got a shan- you know? But there is a cosmopolitan a martini? Sure seems like it might be. <sighs> it's like... It's- are you going that deep, or well, are that's you a drink. just? That's a mixed drink. That's not a martini because it's a mixed drink. I mean, like so it's is got a lot of things. Something in a martini glass, a martini? No. It's... Well, I mean, there's. I guess. I guess Where you are you can have. Your line, friend. Right. Okay. This is tough because I'm not going to do any apple teenies. I'm talking. A is class... that a martini though? But I mean, it's. I don't know. I mean, it's not a martini. It's an apple teeny. So that's the thing. It's not a martini. It's an apple teeny. <laughs> I feel like your month-long martini could be a little I'm, boring if you're only just gin well, and vodka. I well, mean, but there's... Okay, well, then you're not drinking enough gin because there's so much not well, boring about gin. gin. I don't do martinis, though. Okay. I just don't. All right. So in Too my much. mind, a martini is... And I let's and I promise, well, you're, you won't be here next week, but I'm going to dig into, like, the actual definition history and everything else. Like, the etymology, as you know, I love. I'll have to listen. I know you might have to listen of martini because I am setting it up, but... Like, uh, for instance, I've already started the journey, obviously. Because <laughs> clearly, you've clearly, been thinking about it. There's a pregame. Um, and I did go to Gianni's and I had Yum. two different martinis. I had a vodka martini and a gin martini. At and one sitting. 
Yes, yeah, see, I'm really good at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have to say, like I said, I sat down and they said, well, what do you, and I said, I want a martini. And they're like, well, what kind? You know, that's the first thing. If you right. order a martini, you have to be ready to have choices in front of you. Like you said, vodka, gin, you know, do you need an olive or do you need a twist? You want it up yep. on the rock. I mean, nobody gets a martini on the rocks. A naked martini. Do you know what that is? That's how Kurt orders his. Just no vermouth whatsoever. Yeah. But then he has to like spell it out like because I'm allergic to vermouth. So oh, he doesn't really- have to. He can just say he can call it a Winston Churchill. He's- I think it was Winston Churchill who said, make me a martini, make it so dry that you just glance at the bottle of vermouth over at, across the room. OK, that's See? good. There's I'll a lot of really that. great martini lore out there. And like the whole... 007, shaken, not stirred, yes. you know? And, so, like, when you see an actual, uh, their crystal vases almost that with the long stir spoon, yeah. and they do that at Certix. That's pretty. Well, so what I was going to say is the guys at Gianni's said, the first thing they said, what kind? And they said, well, I think I want a gin martini. And I said, I said, I want it super cold. And he goes, you don't want me to shake it, do you? Like, he literally was like, we don't, we're not going to shake the gin. And I'm like, no, no, never. Why Why would I ever say that? No, I just want it really cold. And so he did this, you know, he stirred it. And to him, gin has to be stirred. Vodka could be shaken. So I did the gin one and he used a different, beautiful floral vermouth with this Sip Smith gin, which is a beautiful I London gin. Smith so gin. good. Mm-hmm. And we did a twist and that was one experience of a martini. And then I said, now let's go the other way. And so we, I can't remember which vodka we used, but we did vodka and he shook it so hard <laughs> that it was like almost a slushy and put a couple of fat olives in it. And that was like this other sort of sharply cold, salty, like one was floral and beautiful. and one uh-huh. was, So those are two totally different drinks. Right. That are both martinis. Okay. Okay. I like your martini madness. Yeah. I see where you're headed. See where I'm going? I, if you end up with a cosmopolitan on your list, I'm going to laugh. Maybe at the end. Well, but see, that's the thing is I don't think, I don't think I want to add in juices. Like adding in a cosmopolitan so anything, is like a juice and that yeah. makes it a mixed drink. I can see that. See? So anything- Same apple teeny if you're adding in like a liqueur. Or like St. Germain. Yeah, or those are champagne. mixed drinks. Not. And- what about an espresso martini? Because you're adding in coffee. Yeah, Is well, that that's a martini. Well, that's a, an espresso. No, I don't think that's a martini. That's an espresso drink? martini. <laughs> in a martini glass. See, it gets complicated. I know, but I'm going to stick to the same. I'm going to stick to. I are think- you documenting anywhere? Just in Yeah, your no, I'll put it on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, I just haven't started because it's not March yet. Because the madness, March. the madness yes. has not begun. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. If you guys have any uh, questions, any concerns, any feelings about things, feelings. Um, do you have any feelings? Do you have any feelings? About when you things? have a comfort food situation, do you make you make pasta? I think. Um, I. Well, potatoes we know are my ultimate, like you know, that's my comfort food a hundred percent. A baked potato mashed potatoes potatoes fried in butter anything yum those are my yeah if i get a pile of french fries that might make me feel the most like love i think a burger can be comfort food yeah i honestly do like yeah i do too totally a burger is a hundred percent i'm just like oh that could be what i'm eating next weekend a fish fry and a burger in wisconsin after a funeral i think you need hot dish too i did make hot dish this week oh yum i know it's so good All right, you guys. Well, we will take a quick break and we come back. We'll have the second hour for you. We've got some great top twos and we've got some good chatter. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1.